Well, good morning, church. <laughs> it's great to see you live and in person. Now, it's great that we have a lot of people watching online, and I really appreciate the opportunity that we've had to connect with people that way. But this is kind of new, this being together in worship inside an actual church building. You know, this is our first step towards fully reopening the church uh, for ministry in the months ahead. And so for that reason, I'm very excited to be here this morning. But I've got to tell you, this does feel a little weird, being together. You know, I'm not used to being in front of live people like this. Over the past 13 months, I sort of got used to preaching from my kitchen. It's a, you know, you can, don't even have to wear pants if you don't want to, you know. At first it was awkward, but over time, you know, we learned to adapt. I got used to speaking into a camera. Of course, the, never, the camera never laughed at any of my jokes, but that's no different than a regular congregation. So, But we have been through a lot together this past year during the COVID crisis, and I've heard from so many people so many times say, I can't wait till we can get back to what? Normal. Maybe you've said it, I can't wait until we can get back to normal. But here's the deal, here's the problem. The normal that we want to go back to, it doesn't exist anymore. The normal we want to go back to, it doesn't exist anymore because life keeps moving, life keeps changing. Life is a river, not a lake. Life keeps moving and the COVID crisis has brought its own set of dramatic changes to how we work, how we shop, how we go to school, how we connect, how we live. Though those, many of those things are going to carry on into the future, so there's no going backwards. No way to recreate the world that existed in February of 2020. We have to new, move forward into this new normal. Even without the COVID crisis, no matter how much we want to, we can never go backwards in life to recreate a certain time period. Life and time cannot be frozen like that because changes are always happening. That's just normal. It's normal for life to keep moving. People sell houses and move away. People buy houses and move in. People lose jobs and all the relationships that went along with that job. People find new jobs and then face the challenge of all those new relationships and expectations that go with it. People die. We've actually had a lot of that in our congregation over the last month. Uh, a few new little people get born, praise God. We've had some of that too. Students graduate, people retire, people get married, people unfortunately get divorced. All the stuff of life keeps moving so that you can never go backwards to some more idyllic time. Change is normal, but it's the amount of change and the way things change that really is the issue. You see, there's a difference between change and transition. Change comes from the outside. Change, those are the things that happen, sometimes by our choice, but sometimes not by our choice. But change is, different, is always from the outside. Transition is the internal process that goes on inside us as we respond to those changes. Transition has to do with who we are and what we're becoming. So in the change for a new job, for example, there's a new routine, a new set of expectations, but those are external things. The transition is that internal conversation you have with yourself about who am I in this new job? Can I actually do this? Will I be accepted? Will I be valued? What's going to happen next? What if I fail? Those are transition questions that have to do with the inner you and how you respond to life's changes. And often those transitions can be very stressful and complicated. 
I think as we go forward and see the COVID restrictions lift, we're all going to have to go through a period of transition as we discover what this new normal is all about. And as much as we're looking forward to discovering that new normal, the process, the discovery, may be more stressful, more difficult than we actually think. And so it's good to be prepared ahead of time for what a season of transition might actually look like. Because people respond differently to the same change events. Some good and some not so good. People experience transition based on their own personalities in very different ways. So we need to be prepared ahead of time for what this next season of transition is going to be all all about. So let me give you an extreme example of what transition could be like. Try to help us think through ours. You may have heard of the story of the legendary explorer Sir Ernest Stackleton. Shackleton, I'm sorry. In the year 1914, Shackleton was the first one to try to circumnavigate the Antarctic Pole, to sail from sea to sea in a ship almost prophetically named the Endurance. He and his crew endured this epic hardship when the Endurance got stuck in an ice pack, completely surrounded by ice, nowhere to go, no way to get free. Their ship became this ice-encrusted frozen meat locker, And all they could do was hope for the spring thaw that it would set them free. But instead, the spring thaw shifted the ice flow and brought these huge blocks of ice crashing against the hull, cracking it like a walnut until it slowly sank beneath the ice and was lost. Shackleton and the crew of 27 men had to abandon ship and camp out on the frozen ice flow. They were almost 1,000 miles from any help with dwindling provisions, sub-zero temperatures, and no way to communicate their distressful situation to anybody. No one knew of their deadly circumstances. Radios had not been invented yet. The only thing they had going for them was the will of their leader. Shackleton simply willed that they were all going to survive. And so for the next year, an entire year, he led them, badgered them, begged them, threatened them, to keep going on this epic journey that they had back to civilization. First, they walked hundreds of miles across frozen ice, dragging several lifeboats salvaged from the endurance with them. Toes and fingers frozen, waking up in the morning and finding your toe fell off. To survive along the way, they had to eat all of their beloved sled dogs. And then when they finally hit open water, they had to sail across a thousand miles of open rough ocean in 22 foot long sailboats with no navigation gear or very little sailing gear. They finally landed a whaling station in South Georgia Island. Historians call it the single greatest feat of open boat navigation ever. Miraculously, all of the crew members survived and it was all due to the leadership and determination of Sir Ernest Shackleton, who simply would not let them give up. Shackleton and his crew were welcomed home as heroes. There have been a lot of TV documentaries and books written about uh, Shackleton and the endurance. But most of them stop with the triumphant return. They don't go on and talk about what happened next, what happened after Shackleton survived this terrible time, returned to normal life in England. They don't want to talk about his transition to normal life because it did not go well. In fact, it was heartbreaking. Shackleton could never readjust to his life as a husband and as a father and as a businessman. He was restless and tense all the time, couldn't focus, couldn't finish things, 
couldn't connect with people. He tried to capitalize on his fame as an explorer by launching a number of business ventures. They all failed miserably. He descended into despair to alcoholism. Eventually, when he died of a heart attack, he was more than a million dollars in debt in 1920 money. That's a lot of debt. How is it that someone who could survive all the rigors of the polar ice expedition, how could he let everyday frustrations and problems, the kind common to ordinary people, how could he let those sort of cut the legs out from under him? How could he survive that soul-crushing despair in the Antarctic and then not to be able to return to normal? That normal life was more stressful than marching across Antarctica. Author Rick Lawrence writes that Shackleton experienced no capital T tragedies when he returned to England. It was just normal life, and he could never adjust to it. I think today we'd recognize that he was suffering from some form of post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. The restlessness, the inability to connect with people, the constant agitation, the irritability, the, the inability to sleep, those are all symptoms of someone who has gone through a traumatic experience but still carries that experience inside them when they return to what is called normal life. We hear about that most of soldiers returning from combat or first responders who've witnessed a lot of trauma. Now, it's my feeling that after what we have all gone through this past year, that possibly we are all going to experience or experiencing right now a type of post-traumatic stress. All of us, you and me, not PTSD, not post-traumatic stress disorder, which is a clinically diagnosable illness, but a softer version of post-traumatic stress, which is a normal response in abnormal situations. If you've ever been in a serious car accident, you've probably experienced post-traumatic stress. When faced with trauma, our brains are just kind of hardwired to tell our bodies to be tense, our muscles, uh, we breathe faster, we pump more blood. That's the fight or flight response. It prepares your body to deal with whatever challenges is coming your way by giving you more oxygen and all the rest. This fight or flight response is a normal reflex during the some, and sometimes even after a traumatic event. And that's why post-traumatic stress is considered a normal reaction, whereas PTSD is a clinically diagnosed condition. Because with PTSD, those anxious, unsettled feelings, they don't go away and you can't shut them off. Now, we haven't been a year struggling on a polar ice cap, but we have been a year under a prolonged period of unusual stress, every single one of us. At least 13 months of this weird COVID world that has upset almost every aspect of your normal life. And so going back to a normal life, that may not be as easy as simply throwing a switch. How will you feel the first time a stranger wants to shake hands? Or when you restart your commute on a crowded train and no one's wearing a mask? How will you react when the person sitting next to you in church who's not a family member starts to cough and sneeze and is not wearing a mask? How will you feel about the long-term changes in your workplace or in your schooling, especially college students. How weird has it been for them? Our experience of our new normal life will hopefully not be as challenging as it was for Shackleton. But I do think we can expect some emotional bumps along the way as we try to understand the stress that this has put us all through. The process of transition 
and how our faith in Christ can make a difference in our new normal. That's going to be the topic of our sermon series over the next five weeks. Now, the Bible is filled with stories of transition. God is an expert in our transitions, and there's a lot of wisdom in Scripture for us to glean about how we can handle all these various kinds of transition in life that we'll all be facing. Typically, what we see in Scripture is there's a definite pattern to how transition happens. It's a three-step pattern that goes like this. There's the old normal, then there's some kind of disruptive event that could be either very quick or it could be quite a long, prolonged period, and then there's a new normal. Transition happens as we move through that middle period of disruption. That's why the word transition is defined as the process or a period of changing from one state to another. The transition figure signifies that there's something that we have to leave behind, but there's also something that we get to look forward to. But to get there, we have to go through this middle ground. And the in-between period of disruption is often that time of frustration and waiting. It is both a period of grieving for what we have left behind and a period of anxiety because we're not all that sure about what the future is going to look like. While we're in transition, our faith is going to be challenged and our trust in God will be tested. The classic example of this in Scripture is the movement of the Hebrew people in the book of Exodus. Their normal life was that they were slaves in Egypt, 400 years of slavery. That does something to you as a people, to their sense of self, their sense of identity. 400 years of being slaves, and then transition, there's this period of, this, of tremendous disruption as God sends Moses to lead them out of Egypt. Those first steps out of Egypt and through the Red Sea were pretty stressful. But they go on and then they wander in the desert for how long? 40 more years. That's a long disruptive period to have no, no place to call home. We've had only 13 months. They had 40 years. And then finally God leads them to the promised land and they establish the nation of Israel. Old normal, the period of disruption, and then the new normal. And what we see is that God is most active in those moments of disruption. That's when growth happens in Israel. That's when the Israelites really learn to believe, to trust in God. In the middle, during the transition, and the principle I want to focus in on this morning is that every time God moves you forward in your life, there will be a period of transitional instability. Transition is where transformation happens. Now Jesus, I think he was a master of transition. He called people to it. He called people out of their past, out of the place where they were stuck. An encounter with Jesus was frequently a very disruptive experience by design. And then Jesus would lead them to a new understanding of who they were and this God who loved them. He even has a period of transition with the disciples after the resurrection. We just celebrated that great day a week ago. But remember, Jesus doesn't immediately ascend to heaven. He hangs around for more than a month. Well, why? Why does he do that? Here's what the chapter, uh, chapter 1 of the book of Acts says happens, starting with verse 3. It says, After his suffering, Jesus presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Of course, we know the trauma that Jesus went through facing the cross. But we also need to remember the trauma experienced by the followers of Jesus 
who had been knocked around sort of like the ball in a pinball machine. From elation when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, I mean, they were so excited, so high on that, to absolute despair and fear with just in a few days as Jesus was arrested and crucified, to absolute total mind-numbing amazement at his resurrection appearances. I mean, their emotions were all over the place. Their minds had to be spinning. No way did they have time to process what they were thinking and feeling. And so Jesus uses this time between the resurrection and the ascension to prepare them to make a healthy transition, to prepare his followers for what was to come. This period of transition for the disciples, it contains some vital lessons for us as we experience our transition to a new normal. Here's the first. God gives them the time they needed to adjust and release the past. God gives us time, too, when we need to adjust and release the past. When Jesus told his disciples that he would be leaving them, their hearts were troubled. After the emotional lows and highs of the crucifixion and resurrection, he gave them 40 more days of this personal fellowship with them. This time just kind of enabled them to adjust, to understand what they just had gone through to release their expectations of the past and to embrace God's new agenda. God in his wisdom gave them time to experience transition. He didn't just throw them into the deep end of the pool and then kind of jet up to the sky and say, good luck, have a good one. And I believe one of the things that will help each of us is if we take time and seriously reflect about the changes that we have all gone through this past year to kind of right-size our expectations of what this new normal will be like, to give yourself some time to adjust when you're wondering, you know, why am I feeling this way? Why am I so irritable? Why am I so doubtful? Why am I so anxious? Give yourself some time and some grace in that. Jesus gives us the time we need to grieve what we've lost, but he also graciously helps to point to the future. The second is transition is an invitation to intimacy with God. Transition is an invitation to intimacy with God. As we reflect on what we've gone through and what's coming, we can know and experience Jesus as our comforter and as our friend. During the 40 days between Jesus' resurrection and ascension, Jesus just spent time being with the disciples. He wasn't talking all the time. He did ordinary things. We're shown that he just ate meals with them, spent time with them on the beach in small groups and one-on-one and sometimes in larger gatherings. Luke tells us in the passage that, that Jesus spoke about things pertaining to the kingdom. Don't we wish we had all those things recorded for us? He helped them see the big picture to see how everything that they had gone through was gonna fit into God's larger plan for his kingdom. So they began to be able to put two and two together and understand what they had gone through. They began to put things into perspective by drawing nearer to the heart of God. His presence and his instruction brought comfort. And maybe more importantly, it brought them confidence. What would you have heard if we had been there? Luke's reference to these intimate conversations with the risen Christ, I really see that as as an invitation for us to, to hunger for our own closeness to be with Jesus. I believe these times of transition are really an invitation from our Heavenly Father to spend time with Him. The pressure often forces us towards Him because we've exhausted all our energy. 
And so we go to him, and that's not a bad thing. The things we are entering into have not fully developed yet. They're not perfectly clear. And so we have a great need to hear from God and understand his purposes as we take these next steps. Jesus invites us into private conversation, to be with him in prayer, and to draw closer to him as never before. And third, always remember that this transition is preparing us for this new thing God is doing. The transition is preparation for this new thing God is doing. Prior to his crucifixion, Jesus' followers, they were simply unable to comprehend the Father's purpose for the cross in the empty tomb. Even though Jesus went over it many times, they just couldn't get it. Now, during these post-40 days, they now had this resurrection perspective. So when Jesus explained to them the Father's plan for the expansion of the kingdom, they finally got it. I'm sure Jesus reminded them of the promise that he gave to Peter about the power of God that would flow through the church. Matthew 6, 18. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The future. This new thing God is doing, this new normal, was bright with hope. The outcome of this period of transition was that this small group of believers, they were now positioned for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. They were prepared to give birth to the church and the expansive mission ahead of them. So transition, friends, is never a place to get stuck. It shouts to us of the fact that this new thing God is doing, it's on the way. Folks, transition can be difficult. Leaving the past is never easy. Going through a period of disruption can make us feel anxious and even defeated and exhausted. But transition is also a time for strong hope in God because during transition, God is at work in you. God is shaping you. He's getting you ready for what this new normal will come. And as we move from the old through the transition, I believe this new normal is going to bring a greater period of fruitfulness in our lives and in our church. What's coming is going to be a good thing. What's coming is going to be a good thing from God. So now in transition, it's time to get God's perspective on what you're going through. Jesus wants to prepare you for what the Father has coming ahead. Be assured that God is in control of the times and the seasons of your life. So take the time you need to process what's been going on in your life this past year. You may find yourself with some odd emotions from time to time. And friends, that is okay. You may feel like you're still a square peg and trying to go into a round hole. You may struggle with anxious thoughts. Folks, that is okay. That's a normal reaction to this weird, abnormal situation we've been in. Unless you're Superman or Wonder Woman, you do have limits. Okay, all of you, give yourself some grace for not being perfect, for not being able to always perfectly cope with what's going on. Jesus gives you grace. Make sure you give yourself some grace too. Do some prayerful introspection about the good and the bad. And where has Christ been in your life over the last 13 months? Then accept God's invitation to this deeper intimacy. Make a simple prayer, regular part of your daily routine. Tell God what's on your heart. Tell God what occupies your mind. Talk with him about your fears. Share with him the dreams of your life. And then listen. Listen for his quiet voice of love and 
affirmation and direction. And finally, begin to get excited about what the new thing will be. Even if you don't know what it is yet, even if the picture isn't perfectly clear, even if what's next is a little fuzzy, trust in a good God. He will see us all through. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for disruption. We don't like it. It's not fun. It sets our teeth on edge. It causes us sleepless nights and anxious thoughts, Lord. But we know you have a purpose behind what's happening here, Lord. The purpose is to draw us closer to you in intimacy, to make us more dependent on you, to sift your church so that what we do is real and authentic and actually from our hearts and not just our heads. So as we think about the transitional months ahead, Lord, help us to be excited about that, but also with some soberness to recognize our limitations and to give ourselves grace as we go forward. In Jesus' name, we ask all these things. Amen.